Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I'm a recently graduated physician starting my PGY1 year as a psychiatry resident this summer. In this podcast, we discuss whole person health and wellness through an osteopathic lens, holistically addressing the body, mind, and spirit. We also discuss topics important to medical trainees, including pre-med students, medical students, and residents. Thanks for joining me. Hello, everyone. This episode is obviously for pre-med students. I'm going to discuss a little bit about applications because the 2023 cycle is just about starting. I just graduated medical school this week and yeah, I'm excited to officially be Dr. Aubrey Ann Jackson D.O. And yeah, the next step of my journey is to start residency in about a month, a little over a month. But I wanted to have this episode to help everyone that's applying this cycle and hopefully in future cycles because not much about the application changes too much year to year. Some of the deadlines change. So I'm going to kind of include the dates for the 2023 cycle. But just know that if you're listening in future years, the dates may change a little bit. So you want to make sure that you check with the official websites to make sure what the dates are for you. But typically, they're not going to differ too much. And most of the application materials won't differ too much. I'll start with AMCAS first. You can start submitting on May 30th. That is not the deadline by any means. That's when you can first start submitting it. You can submit it on that date if you're ready to, but schools aren't going to be getting that application until June 30th. So that's the date you really want to look for is when the applications are actually going to be transmitted to med schools because that's really your deadline if you want to be in that first batch of applicants, which to give yourself the best chance to get a secondary and get invited to the interview is to be in that first batch. Is it worth applying later or do you have to wait for the next year? I think it's worth to apply late if you need to, but obviously it's ideal to be in that first batch because there are going to be competitive applicants who have the same or better GPA, the same or better MCAT scores as you in the first batch. So you want to be able to give yourself the best chance. The verification process can can take a long time. So you actually want to get it in a while before June 30th. So this usually only takes takes one or two weeks, but it's always good to be on the safe side if you're ready. So if your application is already by the first week of June, then submit it then. There's no point in waiting until later to verify and submit. So that's why it helps as I'm going to upload this episode in mid-May, if you're listening to it now, it helps to get everything together first and write a lot of your work and activity sections and your personal statement for sure to work on all these things so that you're not rushing once the application's open that you can just 
sort things together and just get it submitted verified. A lot of what I'm going over is also going to be in the um, MCAS applicant guide that you can find a uh, PDF of on AAMC.org. And this is updated yearly, so you can look up your specific year. I'm obviously referring to the 2024 guide and also including my own experience with the application. I only applied to DO schools, but much of what is on the MCAS application is very similar to what is on a COMAS. Okay. So when you are on MCAS, there's a section for identifying information. So this is just your legal name, your preferred name, alternative names, birth date, birthplace. You'll include the schools that you attended. So this is your high school your colleges, and make sure you have your transcripts ready for those schools that you received credit from. In biographical information, this is when you submit a preferred address and a permanent address, and this is useful to show where you have residency in. So, um, your preferred address is where you're actually going to get mail from medical schools. So, this should be an address that you actually live at but it could also be your parents address if that's different from yours it's useful to if you're interested in applying to schools in a certain state and you have an address tied to that state to use that address for residency i chose to use my parents address because i wanted to show locality in pennsylvania where I was looking to go for residency versus my Virginia address. So I put my parents as the permanent address for me. And this can be a really simple way to show programs that you have a tie geographically. It definitely does help. Schools may be looking at these addresses in order to find students who are familiar with the area and have a tie to the area. In this section, you can also include any languages that you speak, childhood information. You can say that you have grown up in a medically underserved area, which some schools really like to see. If you're not sure about this, you can always look up a list of medically underserved counties. Most states are going to have this easily accessible. They can also be called the HPSAs which are uh, service areas uh, that have a shortage of physicians. And then there's questions about military status and felony misdemeanors. Make sure that you look into all of this information to make sure that you answer all these questions appropriately. Then the coursework section is um, a big section. Make sure that you're referring to an official transcript when you're entering this coursework. Any errors that you include is a big reason why your application might be delayed in processing and you could miss deadlines for schools. That mistake could very well prevent you from being in that first batch. I am now offering personalized assistance specifically for pre-med students. 
I can help with editing your personal statement and your MCAS and AECOMAS applications. I will catch your grammar and style mistakes and also provide feedback on content revision so you can craft documents that make you more competitive. There are so many expensive services out there that charge hundreds to thousands of dollars on reviews, which is why I'm offering a much more affordable service with different price packages based on your needs. While many services out there are led by staff members who are years to decades removed from their experiences as pre-med students, I am uniquely positioned to help you as someone who has been through this process myself just a few years ago and as someone with professional writing and editing experience. I know what it takes to make you stand out and I know what medical schools are looking for. In addition to listening to my past episodes with tips on navigating med school applications, use the link in this episode description to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. So a big section is the work and activity section. And this is the one that takes the most time to do. And this is what a lot of schools are looking at. Coursework is important. They want to make sure that you hit all of the requirements with what courses you have to complete. And then they're looking at the GPA. But the work and activity section is where you get to decide what to put. Whereas your GPA, you can't do much about. So it's really uh, 15 experiences that you can highlight in your application. So for each activity, you can choose an experience type. And I would recommend that you try to come as close to including a, a balanced list of all different experience types. You don't want all of the same experience type you want to make sure that this section makes you seem well-rounded because that's what they're looking for. And some schools might want to see a little bit more. Um, if they're heavy on research, they might want to see more of your publications. So maybe you want to include all of your publications, but then maybe not include as many as your extracurriculars. And then some schools might be the opposite. So it's important to know what kind of schools you're applying to and what they value and make sure that it reflects it in your application. And you have to know what's important to you. What are you able to talk about during interviews? You can absolutely on interviews talk about experiences that weren't on your application, but you might not get questions that directly ask you about those past experiences because the schools don't know that you had them if they're not part of your application. And then for each experience, you have 700 characters to describe your experience. So this is definitely something that you know you're going to have 15 experiences and you know that you're going to have 700 characters for each one. This is something that you can start working on now. And even if you're applying a year from now or even later on, as soon as you start college and start getting experiences, you can start keeping tabs on the number of hours that you're doing an activity and what you're doing. And you can even start crafting those 700 characters way, way in advance. And this is going to reduce a lot of stress for you later on so that you're just 
looking at revising and getting other people to take a look at it to make sure that it elevates you as an applicant. And then there's the most meaningful experiences summary. So this is when you can choose three of the experiences and as soon as they're noted as most meaningful experience, you can add an additional 1,325 characters to write a full essay on the experience and why it was particularly meaningful. You want to focus on how it was transformative, what personal growth you had, and the impact that it had on you. The next section is letters of evaluation. So this includes committee letters, letter packets, individual letters. So you want to make sure that these are submitted on time too. And then you select the medical schools that are going to receive your application. Um, you can filter by the state, the deadline, program type, in order to find the schools and add them to your application. Make sure that you're noting which ones are MD programs versus combined MD-PhD, combined bachelor's MD, combined MD with a different graduate program, um, if it's a uh, deferred matriculation, early assurance program, or some other special program. Then there's the personal comments essay, also known as the personal statement. I have an entire episode on that was posted April 17th, 2023, which is episode 92 about tips for the personal statement. That episode, episode 92, also has a more thorough timeline of what to do each month of the application cycle to make sure that you're on track. It gives you a really nice overview. But uh, the personal comments essay, this is when you want to express why you're interested in medicine, what motivates you to pursue medical school, and really just what you want medical schools to know about you on a personal subjective level that they might not get from your summary of experiences. You can also talk about different hardships or obstacles that you confronted. You can also acknowledge red flags if you have any red flags on your application. It's really your chance to make it whatever you want to make it, but typically schools are going to look for a commitment to medicine and something personal about you that's unique. And it is so, so important, I said this in the other episode, to proofread because a grammar mistake shows lack of attention to detail and that's not going to be the type of applicant that a medical school wants to have as a student. They want to have doctors that are very meticulous, detail-oriented, and know how to meet deadlines and have finished work that is high quality. So it is so important, especially really unless you were an English major, and even if you were an English major, it's important to get other people to look at it. So mentors, you can get services done at your med school. Your pre-med committee might offer to look over your personal statement, but it also really helps to get professionals to look it over, um, especially professionals that happen to also be in medicine and they've gone through this process themselves in the last few years. 
So as much as I'd like you to consider my own service that I offer, really it's just important to get anyone that is professional and knows what they're looking for, knows not only how to edit your grammar and spelling mistakes, but also the content of your personal statement. So if you find someone that can meet those two criteria, then you are setting yourself up for success. And a lot of times this requires multiple rounds of editing. So don't wait until last minute to start this. Make sure you're not plagiarizing. Make sure you're not heavily using AI. You can use AI to generate ideas for your personal statement, but don't have AI write it for you and just make small tweaks in it. It really does have to be from your own voice and in your own words. And I think medical schools are going to get better and better at picking out which ones were generated by AI. And even worse than coming across as not detail-oriented and meticulous is coming across as cheating and cutting corners. Let me know that you like First Line. If you are listening on Spotify, tap the star to rate the show. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll down and tap to rate or write a review. Thank you so much for your support. So for A. Comas, this is the application for osteopathic medical schools, which are the schools that I applied to and I attended osteopathic medical school and just graduated. So uh, this is one that I know pretty well. It is already open by the time I'm recording this. It opened on May 4th and that's when you can start submitting. Don't panic if you haven't submitted yet and you're listening to this, but you do want to submit as soon as possible for similar reasons as uh, the MCAS application. Schools will start to receive apps on June 15th, so that is a few weeks earlier than AMCAS. So if you are applying to both application services, just know that AACOMAS is a little bit earlier. So it might be better to shoot for a submission in May to make sure that everything can process in time. So of course, if you are listening to this and you're um, applying later, Uh, You can, of course, start working on your personal statement. It's also 5,300 characters maximum. And you can start working on your experiences section as early as you want. And I would say with your personal statement and your experiences and then even with the letters of recommendation you get, make sure it does have an osteopathic medicine lean because schools are looking for this. Osteopathic medical schools are still used to being a backup for many applicants. And I understand that a lot of times applicants just want to get into medical school. They don't care if it's MD or DO. And some applicants may prefer MD over DO for reasons like prestige, or maybe they have um, a parent who's an MD, or they're interested in a specific school or a specific region <clears throat> that only has MD schools. But I would really encourage you, any applicant, to really research osteopathic medicine because I strongly believe that applicants who have a thorough background of what osteopathic medicine is, I think most people would probably choose the DO route 
because I think a lot of things in medicine is shifting to more of that holistic view and taking the body, mind, and spirit into consideration. I also have a few episodes talking about osteopathic medicine and why I chose to only apply to DO schools. So I'll just put in that plug quick for that. And I've just met so many physicians that are older that are MDs and they tell me all the time that if DO schools were as common as they are now and they would have known about osteopathic medicine when they were applying, they would have definitely pursued osteopathic medicine. But I know everyone has their own reasons. A lot of people apply to both. Um, So typically, if you are applying to both, you'll have a personal statement that's kind of generic towards MD programs, and then you can personalize it a little bit, maybe take out a sentence that you don't really need and put in a sentence or two about why you're interested in osteopathic medicine because schools are looking for that um, to see that you're actually interested in becoming an osteopathic physician and you're not just copying pasting everything from AMCAS to AACOMAS. So you do want to make sure that your application is really submitted as soon as possible There's no point in waiting until that mid-June deadline for when schools can actually receive your application. You really do want to submit it as soon as everything is ready. And hopefully you have been preparing your different essays ahead of time because that is really where a lot of the effort is and it can take up a lot of time if you didn't plan ahead. So the program selection is pretty similar to MCAS, where you just search the program. So there's really four parts to the AACOMAS application. So there's personal information, academic history, supporting information, and program materials. Personal information is very similar to MCAS. Um, Academic history includes like your coursework, MCAT score, transcript, Supporting information is your letters, your uh, personal statement, and experiences section. And then program materials. So personal information, contact information, biographical information, citizenship. You can include influences, so family members who are doctors. Your military status and background information. And there's um, even a section that asks you to comment on how COVID has impacted your education. You have 2,500 characters to discuss this, and this can be um, academic, professional, or personal impact. And I would say take full advantage of this section. Don't spend as much time on it as your personal statement, but definitely use this section because schools can look at this And you can use the section to really demonstrate how reflective you are and also just add to some of the experiences that you had. But make sure it is relevant to COVID. Then there's an academic history section, so high schools, colleges, transcripts. Just like AMCAS, you can use Interfolio if you want to use that service for your letters of recommendation. For the experiences section, you can include healthcare experience, which can be paid or unpaid. And that can include volunteering in healthcare or shadowing, 
non-healthcare employment is anything that would not count as healthcare experience, but it's still employment. So that means you are paid. So that could be working as a cashier or working as a waiter or waitress. You can also include extracurricular activities. So this is any club that you are a member of, any sports you played, research, leadership, and then non-healthcare volunteering, which again, that would be something that doesn't count as healthcare experience, but it's not employment. So it is something that you were not paid for. That would go under non-healthcare volunteer. So again, I would say try to include a good mix of all of these experiences. If there are DO schools that have varying missions, then maybe you want to include those experiences that line up with those missions. And you'll have 600 characters to describe your experience in, so you want to use these characters wisely. So this is a little bit less than AMCAS. So again, it's not a copy and paste, so you want to be a little bit more concise with the AACOMAS. And again, schools are going to want to see that you can put an osteopathic medicine spin on a lot of these experiences. You can mention when a specific experience piqued your interest in osteopathic medicine and you want to include if you worked with DO physicians and they had an influence on you during these experiences. That goes a long way and doesn't take up too much space to state. Then there's an achievement section. So these are your honors and awards, scholarships count. Um, you also have 600 characters to talk about these as well. And then the, the personal statement for osteopathic medicine is going to be similar, why you want to become a physician, what you're motivated by, what has prepared you for becoming a medical student, and also your future goals. And always, always relate this to osteopathic medicine. Do not just copy and paste your MCAS essay if you're applying to both instead of just stating characteristics about yourself, you want to tell a story that makes it very clear about the traits that you do have. So showing motivation, showing that you're reflective and you're knowledgeable and you're detail-oriented. All of these are really important. And it takes a lot to write an essay that can allow you to stand out because so many applicants have very similar backgrounds because pre-meds have this checklist of what they need to do. They need to do extracurriculars and get leadership experience and get healthcare experience shadowing and research. And a lot of times there's this idea of a cookie cutter pre-med, but this essay is really what is going to make your individuality shine out. So it is really important to put a lot of time and effort into your personal statement and get multiple rounds of editing done by a professional. In program materials, this is like your application fees and adding programs in. And again, everything's rolling. So you want to be in that first batch if you possibly can. So I really hope that this episode helps whether you're applying this cycle or whether you're applying to a future cycle and want to learn more about what you can be doing to prepare. Hope you consider 
my personalized service, I would love to help you on your AMCAS or AACOMAS application, as well as the Texas application service, if that applies to you. I can specifically help with the personal statement or I can help with the remainder of the application, especially the work and activity section and their essays to help you be a well-rounded and competitive applicant. So whether I work with you one-on-one or not, I wish you the best of luck. If you have decided on a career in medicine, just know that you are entering the best profession that there is. I still hold that thought very dearly after just finishing medical school. I look back and I do not regret my decision at all. I am so excited to begin residency and become a psychiatrist. So I have really made it my mission to help students that have chosen this career and really help them to get into medical school because I know that is the biggest barrier. But we really do need compassionate, patient, and diligent students to enter medical school so that we can have physicians who take really great care of patients that desperately need them. You can follow First Line on Instagram at First Line Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash First Line Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.